Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Now, last week, I know our very own Tristan Benz promised a full crew for this episode. But sadly, he is not here. He flew too close to the sun. That he did, Drew. He flew too close to the sun. He put a few too many podcast obligations on his plate, and he just had to tell us, hey guys, I'd love to do this episode, but he has some other things to take care of, which we appreciate him for doing that, because he's going to be on the Super Bracket Bros. So be on the lookout for that. Can't wait to hear what they have to say. They're always a fantastic podcast, but I consider us to also be a fantastic podcast. So let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. You saw the title, you know the deal. Today we are talking about All-Star Superman. Oh! (laughs) I know, this is an episode Drew has wanted for a long time. Uh, Here is a synopsis for All-Star Superman, courtesy of IMDB. Quote, After being poisoned by sun radiation, a dying Superman decides to fulfill his lifelong dreams while Lex Luthor has his own agenda. End quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by Sam Liu. It was written by Dwayne McDuffie. The character of Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, based on the graphic novel by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. I thought it was Quitely because he's Scottish. That sounds about right. I think Quietly sounds better. But the main voice cast goes as follows. James Denton as Clark Kent slash Superman. Christina Hendricks as Lois Lane slash Superwoman. And Anthony LaPaglia as Lex Luthor. Now, the reason for the short main cast is because this movie is absolutely stacked with characters and voice talent. So for the sake of levity, we're going to leave it there. Yes. I'm sure we're going to talk about the many other castmates in the actual retrospective. Um, Lastly, movies and TV shows are driven by more than just a director, writers, and cast. There are hundreds of people who are working hard on each project. So for each movie or show we cover, we also spotlight either a certain group of the crew or a specific crewmate depending on what we think is the movie or show's best trait. Cast members not included in our main cast section are also eligible to be selected for this part, too. For All-Star Superman, we're going with Christopher Drake, who is behind the music of the film. I honestly think we made the right call. What about you, man? Oh, yeah. Like, Drake killed it with the music. It's like... It's like, normally I don't like uh, music that tries to emotionally manipulate you, because I feel like that should be on the writing. But this music could emotionally manipulate you on its own. And yet, it also has that good writing behind it. It's like, he went in, read the script, and said, I got you. I got you. I'm going to give you bars. I'm going to give you every single thing. It's going to be a bar. See, I highly disagree with you on that front. Not with how great the music is, but in general, not liking whenever the music kind of emotionally manipulates the story. 
because I feel like you can always use the music to help with the story. And I always go back to something like James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy movies, to where they feel like characters and they add to every scene and they don't take away. Yeah. Granted, this can work another way, and you could have something like Suicide Squad 2016, that it just becomes a bit distracting. True that. But I just want to shout out Drake, because he also did a music for another movie that I love because of how weird and off-putting it is, but also because it is just, I did not know like this was going to be a connection. He did the music for Tusk, if anyone knows that one. Is that the movie with the kid from Dodgeball? I don't know Dodgeball, so... You've never seen Dodgeball? Nope. It's a true underdog story. Yeah, but this this one is um like Tusk is about uh a a guy called Wallace Bryden who is played by Justin Long. Yep, that's the guy. Okay, yeah, and uh, it is one of Kevin Smith's movies, and it is way out there. Yeah, it's pretty weird from what I know about it. I haven't seen it, but I know what the story's about. It's it's it, pretty it's out not there. for the you're faint right. of heart. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're pretty right by saying it's pretty out there. Uh, but props to Christopher Drake and the rest of the cast and crew here because this is one hell of a movie. And let's talk about this movie. Drew, I'm going to let you take over my prelude that I usually do and let you turn it into a massive comic connection segment. I know All-Star Superman is highly regarded as one of the best Superman stories ever. Based on what I've researched, it seems like the movie is a bit rushed and actually cut some stuff out. From seeing the movie, it is a bit rushed, but besides the point. <laughs> but even still, it seems that people fairly enjoyed the movie. Yes. And a side note, I know Rotten Tomatoes doesn't mean much, but looking at the Rotten Tomatoes audience score for this movie is a whirlwind of opinions. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Drew, I'm going to let you take the reins here in a second. I want you to give people like me who haven't read the All-Star Superman story a rundown on why people love it, why some people loved or hated this adaptation, and then get into any other comic connections you find relevant. Well, luckily, there are no others. This is 100% All-Star Superman. No extra no, no extra needed. In fact, there was too much of it because All-Star Superman is 12 <laughs> issues and they're bigger than normal issues. Oh, man. This yeah. is, what, a 90-minute movie, it felt like? <laughs> yes. That? Like, this would this would have had to have been, like, uh, the Dark Knight Returns of doing multiple parts. But considering the story, I understand why they condensed it down to its 90 minutes. And honestly, I don't blame them. It is a very good comic, both the movie and the... Uh, and and the comic, the graphic novel. I kept. I was trying to say graphic novel, but then I was like, I went comic, and then oh, then I remember it. But whatever. Both of them show you what it means for Superman to be Superman. And also, Superman was made with the intent of not going through Superman's origin again, not going through, uh, not trying to uh, reinvent one of his old stories or everything. This was supposed to be just its own story. That's that not only celebrates Superman, but shows why he is amazing. Now, the way it came about was honestly interesting because originally they went out to do a total update and rehaul of Superman 
But instead of creating something that's fresh, relevant, and is totally hip with Hello Fellow Kids, uh, they wanted to do a collection of timeless Superman issues. And as they kept writing it, it eventually turned into what they deemed as the 12 labors of Superman, which uh, fits really well, and which is why there's 12 issues. Throughout it all, All-Star Superman, All-Star Superman went through the different trials and tribulations that Clark would go through, including not only revealing his secret identity to Lois, which wasn't new when this was published. This was published back in 2005. But it was still something that in a lot of Superman adaptations, it's like Lois will never find out Clark is Superman until like the very end. And this one is, and this one they do it fairly early on into the uh, series. And it continues to go on as Clark also has to deal with something that's not in the movie, the death of his father, and also literally coming to the terms with his own death. And the reason why people love the love the comic is that it shows you who superman is the extraordinary the larger than life this person that is not only the original superhero but what he has faced throughout his life as trying to be both the world's symbol for what it can be and also the world's champion who defends what it is today his kindness his compassion his willingness to his willingness to see the good in others including lex even at the end, he still believes Lex Luthor can change. And it's a bit different between comic and movie with how Lex's story ends, but both are st- both are pretty good, in my opinion. Let me ask you this. When the comic arc was going on, the comic run, how much time had passed in terms of just years? Because one of the problems I have with the movie, like, I, I'm going to go ahead and just spoil my general thoughts, basically. I think it's a really good movie. I prefer probably Superman vs. the Elite and Man of Tomorrow over this. But it's simply because of just some things feeling like, man, I wish they did. You mentioned The Dark Knight Returns. If they did that with this, I think I would consider this to be the best Superman story I've seen. Uh, but one of the reasons I feel this way is because it does feel a bit weird with this end game level Superman, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to reveal my secret identity to Lois. It feels like that's part of earlier on, but then you know what I mean. Like it feels like that part doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Yeah, so we don't really know like how long. Um how long it happens because with some of these stories it's like superman is out in space for a few months and sometimes it's and sometimes it seems like they're happening like back to back so um that's one of the things with comics and honestly also with grant morrison unless like time is a very big factor you're really gonna get something that uh definitively says oh this is how the um this is how much time has passed now um if you're talking about how much time between issues this was bi-monthly which means every two months a comic came out i was talking about just in terms of the story not yeah in I, terms of how yeah, many times so. issues were coming out but still that's interesting to know but please continue yeah so um as as i was getting to you asked the question um like how do people view this from the comic and the movies if you read the comic there is a lot missing that you really wanted to see 
and that has disappointed some of the some of the fans of the comic and everything for me i was one of those people who accepted it because again all-star superman is a lot it is a very big book in fact its original collector's edition was split into two volumes so yeah just to just to put the point this out to you um invincible well, Invincible, with its near 100-plus run, I think it's around 118 comics, I think, maybe a bit more, uh, that is put into 12 volumes. So you can see how big this, uh, this is by comparison to have two with only 12 comics. And one Invincible um, volume is 13 comics most of the time. So yeah. But there were some changes, some stuff was brought out. Like I said, it's not in the movie, but... Pa Kent dies in All-Star Superman and it was one of the few times it was one of the first times where he like not the first time but it's like one of the um few times where he did where he like does die and it's like a super impact to Superman like it's one of those moments where it's like it's not really by his hand but it's just uh like the mortality really becomes a huge theme in All-Star Superman yeah and he's already dead in the events of the movie yep Superman goes to see his grave. So Yeah, and to see see his ma, see his grave, and talk about um his potential death to his ma and everything. Again, there's a few differences, but the core theme is there. Grant Morrison did have input into how this movie was made. So a lot of stuff while some stuff was changed around, it still was like uh it was still was like helped by the original writer. And it still keeps over the overall theme of Superman, who he is. It is an amazing comic. If you want, if you watch this movie and you liked it and you want to see more how it was originally done, go check it out. There are literally three different collected editions of this movie. There's Volume 1, Volume 2, and then there's the Absolute Edition and the Deluxe Edition. So you have plenty to get started with, and trust me, it is worth the read. Well, let's just go ahead and get into our general thoughts on the movie. So, I already kind of hinted at what my thoughts were, and straight up said I really liked it. I did have an issue, just to get my main problem out of the way, with the whole Superman Lois thing, and then it feels like everything else is at the end of Superman's career, and it doesn't feel like this Superman would wait this long. It, if it, you know what I mean. It just feels like that part of the story should have been early on in its career, True based that. on what we saw. Um, other than that, one thing I really loved is it is rushed. It really is. But part of me kind of likes it because for Superman, he's dying <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. You know he's dying, and he has all of these threats to deal with. Back to back to back, and it's a bit disjointed, but it's I think it's supposed to feel like that because that's how Superman is kind of reacting to in a way, kind of reacting to it. It's like, all right, I gotta go deal with Candor today, and then he comes home and realizes that two of his relatives basically have uh, Barrel and Lilo, yeah, and or is it Lilo? Yeah, Lilo. I think it's Lilo, um, and they're trying to take over Metropolis. And then he deals with that. Then he has Lex Luthor to deal with in Paris. It just it keeps piling on. I really love that because it does feel like it kind of catches up to Superman. 
Yeah, I think the I think the whole rush feeling and why it is why I think it's better to feel rush is like if you read the comics, it it does feel slower. And if you're trying to appreciate like Superman for all he is, then yeah, that slowness is appreciated. But one of the things is that Superman is like saying, "Oh, I'm dying. I don't have a lot of time left." Even he's not fully sure of the amount of time. So the rushed feeling of "I want to get all this stuff done before I die." feels so much more in tune with what the story is trying to show. He feels like a man who is at the end of his rope. He, like you just said, he doesn't know how much he has left, but he's going to put everything he has. Like, it seems at the beginning, he's like, you know, I need to take some time for myself. I'm going to tell Lois how I feel. And then after that, it is, I'm going to do every single thing I can to put humanity in the best position before I die. Mm-hmm. Even leaves the formula for Superman 2. Well, kind of, sort of. He had, he kind of trusted in Lex there. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was one of the changes. Lex originally did not give the formula for Superman 2. That was originally Superman, and that was one of the changes with Lex. I like this change because it hits at that Superman finally got through to Lex. That finally um, Lex saw what Superman saw about him. I want to share my thoughts on that, but I'm going to hold off till we get there. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie, that's all I'll <laughs> say. But what are your general thoughts on the movie? General thoughts? I like it. My only gripe, ironically, and this is probably going to be a little, um, a little surprising for you, I don't like the way James Denton is playing Superman. Really? I thought his performance was pretty solid. Like, near the end, he was great, and I liked it then. It's like, at the beginning, it's like he's too calm about it. It's like, it's like, um, there was, there was, um, ironically, he, there was, um, an interview that he was in at a convention where he just added a little bit more inflections in Superman's voice when he was reading over the uh, script and everything. And those smaller inflections show that Superman actually was fully taking in his uh, impending death and everything. Whereas in the beginning, he's so calm and collected, it feels almost like he's more in awe of his cells exploding than he's actually dying, if that makes sense. This is going to sound hilarious, but he kind of sounds alien. (laughs) <laughs> at the beginning uh, I, yeah i get you there i kind of took that as more of kind of what i was t- saying earlier it feels like he's at his i've dealt with a lot of shit over the years so i don't think he's utterly surprised by like fuck it finally caught up to me but i I also get what you mean like it would have been nice to see a little bit more humanity that you know superman has yeah, in that part of the performance. Yeah, but other than that, I honestly think like overall, this is a great movie. And yes, it could it would have been great to get like part one and part two, like the Dark Knight stuff and everything. But for what? But I'm glad with what we got. And again, it has a small different feel. But if you are a fan of the comics, you'll still enjoy this. You'll enjoy seeing the reference, the references to some of the other adventures he's having at the time and. Just how everything is going about. And you also and you also like love just seeing these seeing these small adventures just coming out onto the silver screen 
because this was direct to Blu-ray, but um, well, direct to DVD. Blu-ray wasn't prevalent at the moment, but it did come to Blu-ray, and uh, it's worth it. Trust me, it's really good to um, say the least. It's like it's a really good, and it does, and it's again one of those seminal, seminal standout pieces of media that shows why Superman is awesome. Let's move on to our standout performances. For me, I will say the main three actors for Superman, Lois Lane, and Lex Luthor that we mentioned at the top of the episode are probably mm-hmm. my standouts, along with Ed Asner as Perry White. I thought he was excellent in the role. Um, there's a few other names if you go to the cast list on IMDb that's like, oh, that's, that's kind of crazy. Like yeah. uh, Francis Conroy is Ma Kent. John DiMaggio is Samson and the Ultra Sphinx. Robin Atkin Downs as Solaris. Yeah, I did not even hear the uh, similarities. They're in the same scene. I did not hear Don DiMaggio's similarities <laughs> between Samson and Ultra Sphinx. That was crazy to me. Kevin uh, Michael Richardson. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Steve love, him, love him as Steve Lombard and the Lizard Man. That was... Mm. Yeah. And Fred uh, Tascalor. I know I always I mispronounce his name every single time I talk about Tatascore? I think that might be it. As Kroll, who I think is the lizard people's leader. Or is he's the one that the main rebel? One of the two. Yeah. And then uh he's also the Superman robot that sacrifices himself. Well technically all of them, but that's the one I remember. Dude was a real Superbot number seven. Robot number seven, my man. It's so fucking cool. I, I'll talk about the Superbots in a second. But, man, so cool. Um, <laughs> what are your standouts? Uh, you kind of went through a lot of them. I do like uh, Linda Car- Cardellini as... Um, I can never pronounce the name. Nas- Nastala Talahala? I don't think you got it right. I'm not going to judge you for it based on my past, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't get it right at all, but that's the that's the best I'm going to do, okay? I couldn't even pronounce it when it was um on the comic, okay? I didn't even try. I just called her Nass. So I'm going to say Nass. It's Nass. Also, Alex Denisoff as Dr. Leo Quintum. Like, if there was ever a scientist character that I wanted to appear in the DC universe again, just because, oh, this guy, this guy is cool. I want to see what he does. Dr. Leo Quintum is the guy. And ironically, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I am pretty sure he was created and only in All-Star Superman. Like, he does not exist anywhere else. I've never heard the character's name outside of this. Now, granted, like, next to you and Tristan... I am a casual DC fan, but I've never heard the character's name. I will say, because I know I'm going to forget when we get to the end, whenever Lex Luthor's talking to Quintum, well, Quintum and uh, he says, like, forgive me, Doctor, for I ascend, I fucking love it. It fits Lex's character so much, because obviously, earlier in the movie, he tells the priest to get away from him, because he, quote, uh, reeks of the irrational. So it would make sense for somebody who is clearly somebody who's a man of science completely to, in his last moments, confess to a doctor. 
a man of science, a fellow man of science. It just, I don't know, it's a small detail of the movie that I fucking love. Yeah, it's it's honestly, it's honestly really cool, because I also thought that that was a great way as well, because Lex is always a man of the physical. He's not spiritual in any way. Even when he has literally met God, he says, <laughs> he has said to his face, it's like, I don't worship you, I don't believe in you. It's 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 great. It's pure Lex. Not only that, though, it's interesting to hear all of that, and then like he's very clearly in this movie exactly what you said. What he sees, what he understands, that's what he believes in, and then he finally sees like what Superman sees, and part of his demeanor changes. And I'm glad it didn't change completely, because that would have felt a little too much and out of character. So that's why I'm glad they also brought this back at the end, because I'm like, okay, he's still Lex Luthor. It's just that he's un- he understands what Superman was doing. Now mm-hmm. He understands his wrongs. It's too late to fix, though, or it's too late to, you know, save himself. He believes he needs to be punished for it, but he's going to try to fix it the best he can. Uh, but we'll get into that all later. We're talking about center performances here. Uh Let's talk about the visuals and the score and the soundtrack. Of course, we just talked about the score of this movie, the music being so fucking good. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew the names of the songs. I really wish I did. Same here, but at the same time, I'm not going to talk too much about that. I feel like the music really lended itself to the story. The visuals, I'm not as on... I think I'm just more picky with animation, and I don't really want to be. But I find myself a lot of the times when we're watching animation being like, yeah, I really like this. Or, yeah, it wasn't for me. It's never just it was there. Yeah. So I think this one lands into, yeah, it wasn't for me. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. There, That was one of, the, one of the critiques of All-Star, the comic when it came out, was the art style. Because it was very different for, um, for um, a Superman story and everything. But... I also like the way that they translated onto the screen because it feels like they tried to keep that art style, but at the same time, there were other, they um, also tried to update it so that way it could be more pleasing to the eye for the audience. Some things I wish they changed a bit because, oh my god, oh my god, you could go so far with just how some of this stuff is presented. With how it goes. Like, the Ultra Sphinx, for instance. It's like, okay, yeah, in a comic medium, sure. Just have Lois suspended in an orb or something. That's fine. But it's like, you could go all out with animation. Like, have one half be her living body and half be, like, something that's decaying or old or something. But, Drew, here's also the thing. Like, we can talk about this hypothetically. But as we're looking at with... Hollywood and everything right now is it comes into resources and making sure that the animators had the time to properly do it. So we're not talking as if like, Oh man, this is what it, how could they have not have done this? You're talking in terms of just hypothetically what they could have done with it. And maybe if they do it again now, if they do another adaptation of all star Superman and animation. Yeah. It honestly is just, where like okay it's like i get like with the comic and everything you have the limitations of the medium and sometimes it's easier just to do like stuff where it's 
lit where where you just like limit it and allow your imagination to fill in what's happening. But some of the other, but sometimes I'm like, oh, but this would look so good if you just added this small little flare. And I understand you can't always do that, but I before like this adaptation, I was hoping for like a little bit more. Not knocking on the animators and everything because they did a good they did a good job bringing this to life. It's just there's no standouts. There's not even a standout scene for me animation wise, which is kind of sad considering it's Superman. Yeah, that's why in the future I think it would be really awesome if they decided to do another version of this and updated it. Because this movie, as good as it is, it's also from 2011. Yep. Like, we've come so far in terms of animation and all sorts of other things. So it'd be really cool to see this updated. Yeah. Or even shown in maybe live action. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what the plans are for old James Gunn and crew there, David Cornsweet. I was thinking of his name. Well, his Superman is based is based off of All Star Superman. So if maybe we get to see a live action Ultra Sphinx, you know. But how do you feel about what my kind of complaint is here with his relationship with Lois and seeing this Superman who's been through so much? I love to see a Superman that is just so together. But at the same time, yeah, you are 100% right. He and Lois should be married by this point. (laughs) Like, Superman and Lois have always been portrayed, even when they weren't married. It's like, they're endgame. It's like, they're going to end up together. They're going to live their lives. They're going to grow old, if Superman can even grow old in a yellow sun. Uh, Depends on the writer. Uh, But all of that. You just, like, wait for it to happen when you're reading the regular comics and everything to lead up to their wedding. And then you find out with this Endgame Superman, it's like, oh, he's never told Lois. Huh. And it's like, the more you keep going into it, it's like, oh, wait, he's not even dating Lois as Superman? It's like, how long have they been in a relationship? Are they in a relationship? There's so many questions that uh brought up and i fully agree it's like this it feels like this isn't like one of those things it feels it feels like that this you it should have been originally written like they were in a relationship and he has to tell her hey um i know you thought i could probably never die but um i'm dying yeah and don't get me wrong this is an indictment on the love story in the movie, or Lois Lane in this movie, I thought both were actually really good. I love how Lois kept teasing Clark about, like, or Superman about, like, quit trying to do a Clark Kent impersonation. I know it's not. But then, later on in the movie, clearly she lets him know, like, hey, you might want to let Superman know about this. And tells him, like, I know you're Clark Kent, alright? I'll just fuck him with you. I thought that was a nice running joke throughout the beginning of the movie. I thought the Superwoman stuff was pretty good. That seems like a fantastic gift to give anybody the powers of Superman for a day. For 24 hours. And honestly, yeah. I just like the, I just like the fact that what she that what she really wants to do is just, just hang out with soups. And they just tease him a bit when she's when uh when uh Samson and Atlas come and be like, hey, uh superman we will we can rizz up your girl and in her mind she's like no you can't but i'm gonna uh tease you guys anyway because i want to see what soups does 
Yeah, and not only that, like, she's got a point when she's talking about, so you've been lying to me all these years about you being Superman. So I kind of also saw that as a, hey, this isn't a serious dent in the relationship, but I'm going to fuck with you a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to let you off the hook completely. Uh, So I thought that was a really fun dynamic there. Uh, We'll talk about Samson and Atlas and the lizard people, all that stuff later. (laughs) <laughs> but I really enjoyed their scenes together. I enjoyed their relationship. Yeah. Just not to sound like a broken record. It just felt weirdly out of sync with the rest of the movie. And then you start to think about like, okay, so Superman was around for all these years and how intelligent he is and how much he knows about like the cosmic parts of the universe. Yeah. But he's also, when he gets to Earth and how much he loves humanity, it's kind of really sad to be like, he loves Lois, but he's been alone all these years. And you know that she loves him back, but he just never told her. Like it's a weird thing to think about. And it's like, fuck, that's kinda sad, man. <laughs> yeah. How'd you feel about Lois overall? I love this Lois. I love her teasing this. I love the fact that she is I love the fact how shocked she is when uh she sees Superman as Clark Kent and everything. And in my head in my head kid, I feel like she's trying to wonder how she didn't put it together. Like, how did I never notice? It's like, literally, these are the two men I hang out with. Well, she says she suspected them multiple times. And it's just that Clark has somehow found found a way to get her off his scent. To prove his innocence, quote-unquote. Yeah, like how he had Batman dress up as him to accept the uh, key to the city and everything. I always love that in these individual Superman, Batman, DC movies, whenever they reference the other characters, but you don't see them, because it just makes the world feel like, okay, so we're this is lived in. This mm-hmm. has been around a while. We never had to see the Justice League, just like Superman vs. the Elite. Never had to see the Justice League in there. It would have felt a little cheap if they were. Yeah. Same thing with All-Star Superman. But it's cool to know that there was a Justice League in this universe. Yeah. And uh, that's why I accept the fact that, like, of course you couldn't have known. Superman is good at um, covering his tracks and everything. At the same time, though, in her head, you know that she would go, like, how could I fall for that and everything? It's like, I'm Lois Lane, expert reporter. I sh- I've had the clues. That That's that's my headcanon for it, at least. Uh, Well, let's talk about our villain, Drew. I want to talk about Superman more in a bit, but let's talk about Endgame Lex Luthor. This guy is awesome. He's the worst, but he's fucking awesome. (laughs) That's Lex Luthor in a nutshell, and I love it. This is one of my favorite Lex Luthers. I feel like my favorite Lex Luthor will always be DC Animated Universe Lex Luthor. but But this Lex Luthor is super, super, super close second phase. Because this is Lex at his smartest, at his most devious, at his pettiest, everything about him turned up to 11. You know the scene that I think encapsulates every Like, anything you want to know about this version of Lex Luthor? The prison? Look up the prison scene. <laughs> with Clark interviewing him. It's mm. one of the best scenes with Lex Luthor I've ever seen. It's great. It's 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 honestly way too good because it it's truly everything about Lex Luthor that you need. It's he and it's him ironically telling this all 
to Superman. And in truth, this this also is one of the things where I am pretty sure Endgame Lex Luthor once suspected, probably multiple times suspected, same as Lois, Clark is Superman. See, I don't. And the reason I don't is because of the prison scene. Because as smart as Lex Luthor is, this one makes him such a compelling character to me too. As smart as he is, he looks at Clark and how clumsy he is and how he never makes the move with Lois and he thinks of Clark as just this lesser than person. Like he is this... Now, I don't think he dislikes Clark. I think he actually does like Clark. I think he even says as such. Yeah, he sa- he says it like... Um, I think it's when they're going down the stairs. But um, wh- when uh, Lex says why he likes Clark, why he wanted the interview with him, is because Clark is everything Superman isn't. He's no- he's normal, he's clumsy, but he's human. Lex even tries to encourage him to make the move with Lois, and I'm like, geez, Lex is actually being a friend? What is going on here? Well, he's not being a great one. Besides not a great point. one. It, but it's I guess like, he keeps it, him alive. <laughs> so... Keeps him alive, uh, wants, him to t- wants him to tell the story, even has a full escape plan he could use and tells, hey, uh, you take this, go tell the story and everything. Meanwhile, I, meanwhile I'm going to stay in prison until my plan comes to fruition. I respect you, Clark, but you're still lesser than me. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I love so much and why I'd never think he suspected Clark as Superman. It's just he thinks that Clark is just not as good as him. But even as good as Lex thinks he is, what gets him, what just eats him up inside, is he can never be Superman. Mm-hmm. It's so good, man. Like, it's the perfect adaptation of why I get so annoyed when watching something like BVS and seeing this Riddler wannabe version of Lex Luthor. <laughs> How do you feel about Superman facing so many threats in his final days? I already spoke my piece on it how much i loved it i i love it as well i love the fact that some of them are like just threats to humanity or threats to like small things and sometimes it's just oh it's these two bumbling idiots samson and atlas it's so hard to talk about villains in this movie too other than Lance luther because you i'm i got this in our outline like all the threats he dealt with kroll and the lizard people samson and atlas uh the city of kandor had to go to a new planet, but they were stuck miniaturized, but it was somewhere that they could be safe. And then he comes back to Barrel and Lilo. The whole prison thing with Lex Luthor, which includes Parasite, by the way. Yeah. I, to be fair, I wasn't a big fan of Parasite in this movie. He he kind of looked like Grimace. Yeah, this <laughs> is more of a Parasite. Like, Parasite has been depicted a few different ways, and Grimace is one of them. This is the, I think this is the only time where he literally, like, expands to be a near grotesque thing to be Parasite. Like, other times he's, like, some form of a monster or something, but this one is, yeah, it's different. I do like the fact, though, that Lex goes up with a gun to try and shoot him, knowing that gun is not working on this guy, but then goes and just beats him with his bare hands. <laughs> then you got Solaris who's Lex's secret partner. Then you get Lex Luthor himself and his niece. Like, there's so many antagonists in this movie, and I feel like I lost one. Um, I'm pretty sure you got them all. It's like, you got 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was all of them. The monster at the beginning, I guess, if I was trying to be... Oh, yeah, the um astronaut that transforms and everything, and Lex is able to perfectly yeah. predict how everyone's going to move 12 minutes in advance. That's another Lex Luthor thing that I just fucking love. But if I was trying to be a completionist, I guess, I would include that monster at the beginning. But yeah. yeah, man, there's just so many threats that he's dealing with over the course of this movie that it's kind of hard to keep up with in a good way. That's the one thing I'll say in regards to it being rushed works out in the movie's favor. Yeah. It doesn't work out in a few other ways, but this is one thing that I really like because it does feel like Clark is like, all right, I'm up, I'm up against it. I got to get this done. Agreed. Now, if there's one thing, the moment I heard lizard people, I was lo- I was like, oh, I am in for this. The underground lizard people. Let's do let's do this. How did and- I know you'd be? <laughs> when I watched this movie, I was like, I don't know if it's going to be Tristan because we thought Tristan was going to be out for this. It's going to be Tristan or Drew. But once I bring up the lizard people underneath Metropolis, one of them is going to say something like, Dude, I've been waiting for the lizard people to <laughs> enter the DC universe forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when I first read All Star Superman, I had never heard of them. And uh, when I heard about it, I'd be like, that actually sounds like it could be an interesting uh, conundrum. Because if Clark is underground, can't get sunlight, that means he's burning his energy um, more and he's not recharging so when i when i read that in the uh that superman was going to be facing the lizard people in uh all-star when i first read it i was like that actually has that actually can be interesting and uh in the movie the fact that we don't get the lizard people i was like i i won't I won't deny. Part of me was sad, but I also understood it. It's like, that is one of the stories you can just skip over. But, yeah. Wait, are the lizard people, are they a bigger deal in the comic run than what that was? Because that was literally... Like, like, remember how I said it's the 12 labors of Superman? Yeah. Every issue is a labor, so the lizard people... Okay, so it was just a big labor of him dealing with the lizard people underneath the Earth. Yeah. Or inside the Earth. Yeah, so it's it's like it's not like one of the biggest threats that Clark has to face off against, and they're still in the same issue with the Ultra Sphinx. Still, it's lizard people under the earth. You can't get this sort of cheese except in comic books or in a comedy um centered thing. So why not? <laughs> why not? That's what I think this movie went with. That's what I think the entire comic run went with at certain points. Like it's a it's a dark and grim story, especially by the end. But you start to like peel back all the threats and stuff, and it does kind of feel like Grant Morrison and everybody involved in writing this story and producing it went, "Why the fuck not? Let's let's do it. See how crazy we can get before they tell us no." True. I do think I do think that um they I do think they thought about what every threat would represent and everything like Borel and Lila. Like they represent they represent Krypton, and that the and that while Krypton is gone, some of its threats continue. Every threat that Clark undergoes is all it's kind of not only shows off his character, but also what Superman dealt with throughout his career. The different stuff. It's like even with the Ultra Sphinx, it's like oh, there are things higher than even Superman, and sometimes you can't punch your way through. You got to be smart and clever about them. So, 
Yeah, you can make the case for the Ultra Sphinx it was about intelligence. For Barrel and Lilo, it was about forgiveness. Forgiveness for, and compassion and understanding. Or so, like, you can tie something to a part of Superman's past, considering how long the guys lived in terms of this universe. Yeah. It's I like, think, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I never could guess his age and everything. Like, how old do you think Lois and Clark are? I would assume 40s, considering how long he's been around. Same. Same, same. And with the lizard people, I'd say respect, considering the king knew Superman and was like, you know what, I will let you deal with this. Mm -hmm. You deal with this problem, even though that they are the ones who accosted us. So, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, just just uh, FYI, um, I don't know, I don't know um, if this is full, if it was fully true or everything, but I do remember in the comics, they said that the Kroll, because that's what the lizard people are called, the Kroll. And their king is Kroll, get it? Uh, but apparently, they are more advanced than even the Kryptonians were. That's kind of hilarious. I don't know how... We didn't really see any of that in the movie. Though, yeah. so we'll take yeah. your word for it. it it's, it's, a bit cr it's a bit crazy, but at the same time, it's like, when I read that in the house, I'd be like, wait, really? And apparently, it's like, they visited Krypton before. And I was like, oh, dang. What are your, you, you talked about these being the labors of Superman. What's your favorite labor? Ooh, there are so many good ones. For the 12 labors, I would say, I guess the, I guess if I had to say it, it would probably be the super elixir. Reason being is that Superman is one of the few things that Superman did that was pro that was fully in just wanting to let Lois experience what a day like him was like, but also wanting her to experience the happy parts of it, not being the protector of it, not having the responsibility of the powers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's really good. I love, I love their, um, dy their dynamic and that he was willing to go throughout all of this and everything and even make her a costume so she could be ready for her 24 hours. Yeah, I would say what I said earlier, I think the prison scene is just top tier Superman. So everything with Parasite there, even though, again, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Parasite's depiction here. I much preferred the Man of Tomorrow version. Uh, <laughs> but that said, there was something pretty cool about like him just solely going after Superman because of the energy. Also, the fact that um, that he's using his powers but making it seem like, oh, he's just having the worst luck at all this. Yeah. Let's talk about the ending, though. So, Lex Luthor escapes from prison. His final meal, or whatever you want to call it, is an elixir that gives him the powers of Superman for 24 hours. Solaris is revealed to be Lex's secret partner. I also had no idea who Solaris is. Don't worry, people. They explain who Solaris is, and honestly, I think that's a really cool villain for a Superman movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get this awesome ending with Clark trying to take down Solaris, the super robots coming in to help. I don't know what James Gunn is going to do with Superman Legacy. It seems that a lot of characters are in the movie. We don't know who the villains are. I don't know where they're going with all this, but one thing I really wish James Gunn would do, give Superman 
has robots. <laughs> I have seen two movies now that I consider to be really good. One of which was Superman vs. the Elite that I potentially consider to be the best Superman movie I've ever seen. Both of whom have included Superbots. And they have been freaking awesome. Give Clark some help. Okay, so I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because they were in the comics. They were in the comics, and suddenly they just weren't there anymore. You go to the Fortress of Solitude, they're not there. And I'm like, what happened? No reboot happened. I'm pretty sure there was no reshuffling. Where are the Superman robots? They're some of my favorite things to include, that Superman has these helpers to help him. Because in the Fortress of Solitude, Supes has so much that needs to be kept to- kept up and there's no way even a guy with his super speed can keep up with that it logically makes sense drew he never has to be there all the time you can just have a robot keep it like literally what happens in this movie is one's going to stay behind for posterity and then make sure the place doesn't go into chaos like that makes a lot of sense not only that in terms of like okay how can we get a cheap emotional attachment to a character oh let's make a robot really lovable and then kill him off in the third act. I mean, we were so sad when Antony died in Ant-Man 1. You telling me we can't do this for a Superbot in a Superman movie? It's like, come on, James. You know you want to. Plus, Superbots are just awesome. Also, Lois really likes using the Superbots as transportation when Clark can't hold her. It's like, that, is, that seems like awesome transportation. It's like, hey, uh, Superbot, uh, I need to go to, like, Mexico to pick up some, wa- to pick up some wine. Very convenient. But besides the point, let's get back to the ending here. I really enjoyed everything about this. Clark's whole thing with the gravity gun, it shows off one last move he had in play. The white suit was just so good. I I know it was probably from the comic, the way his emblem looked different. But in terms of just the white suit, I really loved it. It felt like the reverse of what we typically see when Superman dies. And he comes back with a black suit. (laughs) Um, So... Loved it. Loved him going to this rage-filled rampage on Solaris when he kills his pet Sun Eater. Which was a great payoff, only to just fall right back on Superman's face. And I felt bad. And I thought that thing was creepy. And I was like, (laughs) no, he killed it! I I loved it. I called it Sunny. Sunny got torn apart. It was brutal. It was one of the most brutal deaths in DC. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this ending leading up to Lex Luthor's admission, I guess? Sonny and, Sonny and Seven truly deserved more, and I wish Superman could have stayed around to give them proper funerals. But I loved this whole thing. Like, Lex, it's like you knew Lex was going to be the endgame villain. It's his ultimate opposite. But I do love that throughout it all, throughout everything, the way that Soups goes about defeating Lex, it's like Solaris. He has to he has to beat him down. Like if you re- if you read Solaris, which you can read more of, with what many people consider the sequel of this to be DC One Million, it's a whole thing. I'll uh, talk about it later if you guys want. But the whole thing with um, Lex is that Superman has always believed that Lex has the potential to just change his ways and become good. He sees the potential in Lex. The potential that Lex has is in all of humanity. And Lex just hates Superman so much because of what he what he represents, the one thing he could never have. 
which is always Lex's problem. And he just will not listen until he finally sees the way Superman does. It's like, that is beautiful. Ironically, the death of Superman is what opens Lex's eyes. Any thoughts on the Solaris stuff before we move on, like the character himself? Uh, can't really count this movie to it, but if you guys ever want to know about Solaris, uh, let me just say, he's a dick. He seemed like it. He really did. He seemed like on par with Ultron. Yeah, and uh, and uh, it it's honestly crazy. Like the movie sort of shrank him down for for this because in like in the uh, in the comics and everything, Solaris is huge. He's like I think bigger than our solar system, if I recall. So he's like he's huge. But uh, I'm glad they shrunk him down for this, so that way it's more visually appealing for Superman to just beat down on him. Uh, totally forgot until rewatching this that he was a living computer. So uh, I guess you can count him as sort of a Brainiac clone if you want, but he's much yeah. different. So Talking about the ending, though, with Lex Luthor, I agree with you 100% whenever it comes to Lex finally seeing what Superman was saying. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie because throughout the whole thing, Superman keeps extending his hand. He's like, Lex, just please stop. You got me. I'm dying. You're going to die. Like, this is over. But he spits in his face every time, pretty much. One time, literally. <laughs> but there was glass in between them. And yeah. Superman, at that point in time, told Lex, like, hey, you talked the big game. You said you could fix every one of the world's problems but you but i got in your way well now's your time to do it and he spat in his face mm -hmm. and then as soon as like he lost the serum and everything he pleaded with clark like yeah get, you gotta give me more i finally saw it i know how to fix everything and superman has kind of had enough after everything that's happened he's like you know what man if you actually thought you would have fixed it if you believed you wanted to fix it you would have done it already well, that also, I love that scene as well, because Superman was also one of the people who believed in Lex, and Lex didn't e ever believe that, until Superman, like, just says it with the most, Lex, you could have done it at any moment, that one tone shift, Lex realizes, holy crap, not only could I, Superman thought I could too. That hits! To me, it's another way to show, like, an ending like Superman vs. the Elite. It's another kind of avenue. It's not physical. It's showing... I think people have this misconception about Superman. Whenever he's presented as a Boy Scout, that, oh, he's just a pushover. No! Don't fuck with him, and you'll be fine. If you push Superman too far, you're not going to be fine. <laughs> the Elite found that out, and Lex Luthor found that out. Now, he didn't beat the shit out of Lex Luthor, but he basically verbally did by going, Look, man, your entire life was pointless. The only thing you did was kill me. You did nothing for the world. If you really wanted to, you would have already. And Lex, having seen exactly what Superman saw, realized, Oh shit, he was the one helping, not me. It's a great way to show that Superman is not a pushover. Mm-hmm. 
that's one of the things that I think people misconstrued. It's like, yes, yeah, Superman is one of those characters who will extend his hand out, and even if you are, even if you are attacking him and everything, if you can actually hurt him or kill him, if he believes that there's good in you, he'll keep his hand out. But the moment you go too far. The moment you try to hurt someone else besides him, uh, woe betides you and anyone associate anyone associated with your sins, because Superman. I'll will... go dark on you. <laughs> he really will. But that's but that's what the thing about Superman and everything. That's the storyline that most people don't get. He's not the boy. He's a Boy Scout because he believes in everyone. That doesn't mean yeah. he gives you unlimited chances. Everybody has their limit. And I think the misconception is people believe Superman doesn't. And that's unrealistic. And that's inhuman. Like, that's why I think a lot of people... I'm not saying it's wrong, because me and you and Tristan have all talked about Man of Steel. We like Man of Steel more than most people. Yep. I think. I think we really enjoy the movie. I don't hate the darker version of Superman. I just prefer the version like an all-star Superman or Superman vs. the Elite. Honestly, in some ways, the Christopher Reeve version as well, after seeing those again. So it's just, it's not me hating on the Zack Snyder ones. And I think that's a thing where it's got to be one or the other. It's just that it's different. And some think it's got to be one or the other, that he's either got to be dark and he's got to kill criminals and he's got to be brutal and he's got to feel grounded. Or he's got to be the Boy Scout who forgives everybody. When that's not who Superman is either way. Yeah. Like, Zack Snyder Superman's not a brutal killer. Just the same way that the other version of Superman that other people love and think is bright and always shows mercy 100% of the time doesn't always do that. Yeah. It's like there. It's like Superman. Superman has been pushed to his limit before. And one of the things that weirds me out is that the Superman that should be in the public sphere for most people before the movies came out was the DCAU Superman. Super That Superman went through hell. Like, Darkseid literally brainwashed him to attack Metropolis. And he went back to Darkseid and nearly killed him. He was going for blood. Does nobody remember that Superman gets put through the ringer just like any other superhero? And he sometimes even will make mistakes because of his past. Like, there was one time Darkseid came to him for help after that. Don't forget when Mongol <laughs> fucked his past up. Or, like, put him in a dream <laughs> world at the beginning of, what was it, Justice League? Or Justice League Unlimited? It's for one the of the few episodes Yeah, Justice League, League, never Justice League Unlimited for the man who has everything. Yeah, I've never forgotten that episode. It is so memorable. Because of what happens with Superman. And Superman just, for people who don't exist, oh, he fucked Mongol up. It, like, it's great. I know we're talking about other things that's not all-star Superman, but we're on this topic of Superman's behavior and various adaptations. Well, I think it's necessary because all-star Superman is what, it's like, regardless of where you go, there's some point of Superman, of his pop culture identity, all-star Superman is what encapsulates Superman as a whole. Like you, you like you say you like Superman versus the Elite um more and everything. And it's like that's one of the that's one of the ways that Superman stands out. Everything is one of his core principles and all that. But also Superman encompasses all of that. And the reason why I think it's like it's not it's not possible to talk about All-Star Superman without talking about his um 
influence of the adaptations of it is because for a lot of people they want to discount him because he's where all the tropes start like go back go back through superheroes superman started most of them even technically the anti-hero because superman was very much willing to kill one um in his first uh in his first appearances but all of that um comes down to comes down to where superman is one of the one of the characters who people underestimate how good it is or maybe they just think like he's too much of one part of his personality they flanderize him in their heads that's not the case just like every other character including batman Sp and spider-man two of the most popular or even iron man who is also one of the most popular right now they're only good if they're written well and superman has many good ways of being written but you gotta try and give him a chance Let's talk about the ending itself, like the end end where Superman goes to the sun to fix the sun. He dies, allegedly. I don't know what to really take from it. I'm hoping to get your answer. Granted, we need to keep it relatively short because I'm starting to run out a little bit of time here. I'm about to record an episode of Power Up and Game. Uh, but my question to you is... What I took from it is Lex Luthor reverse-engineered Superman's DNA, and we're going to be getting Jonathan Kent, Superboy, some kind of version of that. That's what they were kind of hinting at. So, technically, this was sort of answered with a sort of quasi-sequel, mm -hmm. the DC 1 million I talked about. So, technically, what it is, is that he is the successor of Superman, and they talk about him as if he is his son. I'm pretty sure that um lois is his that lois is his mother but and uh, that's he, why he i was like, thinking son because they're like we're we need a woman to carry the baby and they were talking about kids the entire movie saying that they can never have kids so i was like okay so this is the thing where superboy or whoever takes the mantle in this universe but yeah, I didn't like so, how they kind of were like, Superman's still alive up there in the sun. And I'm like, that's, some, that's, I think that's bullshit. But that's fine. Well, um, again, do you want to know what happens in Superman 1 million? Ah, sure. Go ahead. Short answer, please. But, uh, spoilers, spoilers coming up for this, I guess. Spoilers for DC 1 million. And, uh, you, like, if you've been on the internet looking up superhero stuff, you've probably heard of this. But, um, so in DC 1 million, we find out that in the 853rd century, uh, Superman is return Superman is returning, and there is a Superman of that time already. So there's this whole little mystery. We find out that there has been a whole dynasty of Supermen, and they have protected the Earth since the first Superman's death, which is very much hinted at to be all-star Superman's death. And it turns out he's not dead. He's been in the Earth, and he kept it, the sun alive. For all that time, and uh, he comes back as this pretty much gold, literal gold Superman. Hmm. And he's like the strongest version of Superman, like, ever. I'm gonna be dead honest with you, Drew. I don't know if I care for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I like the idea that he's alive in the sun and everything, because one of the things that's been, that was said was that whenever one of his uh, descendants needed him, he shared his power with them. And it's like, having Superman as sort of like his full godlike further and literally sharing power with his descendants and everything. That's cool. That's cool. I still have no idea. No idea 
if they should have just brought him back because uh, I I kind of just like I kind of just like the fact that Superman is up there maybe and we have no idea. I like the idea that Superman died in a story that didn't include Doomsday. <laughs> you know how awesome this story is simply for the fact that Doomsday is not part of it. Yeah, that's true. Nowhere to be seen. He's not one of the labors, thankfully. Favorite, least favorite moments. Favorite moment. There are so many good ones that I am not even going to try to say that it is my absolute favorite moment of the movie. But I will say one of the fun moments of the movie that I like um, be- being brought that I like being brought up is just when Superman is uh finally done with samson and atlas and they're like hey let's do a test of strength and superman is like i'll arm wrestle you both at the same time (laughs) boom literally destroys that small i guess island just to prove his point like these guys aren't you guys aren't doing anything you're not walking away with my girl love it any least favorite nah nah actually no one one least favorite just because this is a little bit much even for me Lex invents a bot that can uh, that can read Moby Dick so fast it can somehow make perfect stairs. Okay, okay, I I I I know that this is so weird to draw the line on, but seriously, <laughs> perfect stairs. Hey, the bot's good at his job, all right. It served its purpose well. It served its purpose well. I would say I talked about a lot of my favorite moments already. I don't really have a least favorite moment. I love. I was gonna say a least favorite moment is like Superman never really having a huge fight with Barrel and Lilo. But as I was about to say it, as you were saying your ending there to your favorite least favorite moments, I was like, man, it wouldn't have made sense though, because the whole purpose of that story was about forgiveness. It was about him not fighting him. So. I don't really have a least favorite moment. Honestly, now that I think about it, that's one of my favorite moments. <laughs> Whenever they're going <laughs> off into the Phantom Zone and them realizing like how wrong they were and basically apologizing to Clark. Yep, and and even in the Phantom Zone, their love is just all they need. Yeah, we'll see about that in a few years. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be the case. But <laughs> they, can, they can take the cheesy love and five years from now, they're going to be a Superman villain for Superboy. Or Superman two or whoever. Uh, it's, it's like you. It's like you never came back for us. Although I think they knew like they, there was no way yeah. of coming back. He said, "There's a good chance that you will never come back for us because his time's running out too." They, they knew he was dying. Uh, everything with Lex Luthor is a favorite moment in this movie. He's oh, just yeah. the best and the worst at the same time. It's the perfect way. He's to the best him. at being the absolute worst. Yes. I guess the only least favorite moment is just I didn't care for the depiction of Parasite. That's it. It just wasn't for me. He looked too much like Grimace for my own liking. And I just couldn't get past it. I just laughed at the screen. Totally (laughs) understand. Any final thoughts on this? I think you're going to have the more promising, optimistic final thoughts. So I'm going to go ahead and go. I think this is one of the best Superman movies of all time. I think it's really rough around the edges. It needed two parts. 
this needed to be a Dark Knight Returns long Halloween kind of thing. Even though that its rush nature works for the threats, it just it's lacking around some parts for me, and that's just why I don't think it's up there with Man of Tomorrow or the original Superman or Superman vs. the Elite. I put it to me this is gonna ruffle some feathers. I kinda put it to me for very different reasons on the same level of Man of Steel. And I really love Man of Steel. Okay, so this movie is one of the greatest Superman movies of all time. I get that some of the fans of the comic have their problems, but I do think that you guys are like going a little harsh on it. Like this 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 Superman is one of one of the quintessential depictions of him. And I hope Superman Legacy, James Gunn, I'm putting my hopes on you. But I hope Superman Legacy, since it's based off of it, will live up to um, just a fraction of what All-Star Superman is. Awesome movie. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Drew, what you working on and where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew Garrison underscore. Have some, it's like have some fun seeing my hot takes, my small takes, and just me talking about whatever. Mostly it's going to be comic books and anime because that is what I want to get into. But hey, have some fun and ask me some questions. As for me, I am not on any of the socials. So you can find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Tell us, who is your favorite Superman? What is your favorite Superman movie? What do you want us to review next? Let us know. Join our Discord. We'd love to chat with you. Also, consider leaving us a rating. It would be tremendous if it was a positive one. Let's get out of here, though, man. I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening. And we will be back next week.